0: Welcome back to The Ordinary Pastor Podcast. I'm John Payne, here with my friend, Jared Mellinger. We serve as pastors in Sovereign Grace churches and as members of the Sovereign Grace leadership team. And we've been talking recently about what we're calling the shaping virtues, which are a number of character traits that we believe flow out of our belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're the fruit of meditation on what Christ did in dying and rising from the dead, and that as a result of His work in our hearts, of uniting him, uniting us to Himself, these traits ought to um, be seen in our lives and in our churches. And um, we've, we've hit a number of them. And right now we want to talk about the virtue of encouragement. Encouragement, uh, and and we want to we want to try to motivate ourselves, at some benefit. I think Jared, you'll agree that in this is that we're just personally <laughs> we're just personally motivated in thinking through these these topics to um, to, to a fresh pursuit of them. Um, but we also motivate our fellow Sovereign Grace pastors um, to cultivate these virtues in their own lives and in their leadership of the churches. That these things would be true of every Sovereign Grace church around the world. That they would be true of every member of every Sovereign Grace Church around the world, that um, that those who would come into these churches, they would find them to be full of gospel application, and and especially in some of these categories. So let's talk about encouragement. Um, why did we include this one in this relatively short list of accented traits? Jared, where do we see this as a fruit of the gospel? What do we mean when we say encouragement? Because it might have a lot of different popular definitions. What What kinds of things are we... Seeking to address.
1: Yes, each one of these shaping virtues that we have are things that we value greatly in Sovereign Grace churches and have uh, valued throughout our history. That is in part because all Christians are commanded to value uh, these qualities. But uh, our list is not exhaustive, and we have selected particular virtues that, um, that we have said, yes, this is, this is what we desire the culture of sovereign grace churches to, to be, and by God's grace, what we have seen him create in our churches throughout our history. And so in each one of these, there are, I don't know if it functions this way for you, John, but there are, there, there's teaching that comes to mind. Uh, and, uh, and so in this realm, in the category of encouragement, this is of course the whole category of evidences of grace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and highlighting God's activity in the lives of others and being, being aware of that. This is something that every pastor and every Christian needs to give and to receive. Uh, so I, I stand in need of encouragement. God has uh, created each one of us in such a way that in this fallen world, full of sin, full of enemies within and without, full of uh, discouragement and weariness and suffering uh, in the battle against sin and in the uh, challenges and sorrows of life, how greatly we need to be Encouraged, and so there's something even built into the, the the fundamental fact that we live in a world of sin and suffering; that we live on this side of Genesis three; that we need to be encouraged. God Himself is the God of encouragement. Romans fifteen five says, and what it means that He's the God of encouragement is that He loves to strengthen and sustain His people through the ministry of encouragement uh yeah. through, through through being built up in the in the faith um and this is a theme that we see throughout scripture there are a few particular uh passages that come immediately to mind one and it's in fact the teaching that we've received in this area that CJ has has led us so well and is in 1 Corinthians 1 because mm-hmm. there you remember the church is a, in in Corinth is a bit of a mess And Paul has many issues in which he is going to uh, address them. So there is the presence of discernment. There is an acknowledgement of where they need to grow. There is correction and adjustment that will be brought. But the starting point, the fundamental outlook on those saints is in 1 Corinthians 1, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus that in every way you were enriched in Him, and goes on to to identify the grace of God that is in their lives, and so even when weaknesses abound, we are called to be more aware of grace and to search out those things to uh, to to commend. M- one mm. of my biblical heroes is Barnabas. Mm. Uh, given that name, meaning son of encouragement, because he was so great of an encouragement to the apostles and leaders in the church. And there's that verse in uh, the passage in Acts 11, where Barnabas goes to the church in Antioch, and it says that Mm. he saw the grace of God and was glad and then exhorted them to remain faithful. That's in many ways a biblical definition of encouragement. Encouragement is going to have eyes. So the starting point of encouragement is not what we say. Too often when we think of being an encouraging person, we think, okay, what can I I say? The starting Mm -hmm. point is faith. The starting point is eyes to see where God is at work and then a heart response to that. He saw the grace of God, And he was glad. So that's Mm. it. Uh, Before we ever say anything, are we seeing grace? And does that genuinely cause our hearts to rejoice and to to respond with gladness? I think that that these qualities are uh, challenging ones to cultivate. Seeing the grace of God is a rare skill. Um, But what it goes on to explain, even in the example of Barnabas, it explains the encouragement that he gave in terms of, for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Mm-hmm. I think the more filled with the Spirit we are, the greater our faith will be and the more aware of, of grace we will be. So it's it's a whole outlook on life. Encouragers have eyes to see faith. They see past the surface to see what God is doing. And that's what's regularly uh, commended and commanded in Scripture. Encourage one another and build one another up. First Thessalonians five. Um, you know the, the the commands to to be an encouraging and refreshing presence uh, to to other believers in the church.
0: Excellent. Yeah, excellent. Well said. I I, I am thinking about the fact that um, you know our our encouragement is even. It, it, it's a category even, even when what we are going to see say talks about the category of sin. Firstly, as you've referenced, as a, as a foundation or as an introduction, that we're aware of past grace that is present even in a, a, a struggling heart. But it's also present in the fact that there is um, an area of conviction or the revelation of some need. That that in itself is a, a, a an aspect of encouragement that we're saying, look, this is let me give you courage in in seeing that God is being kind to reveal an area of of the need of growth, and that and that he's doing this in the day of salvation when when his grace is available, even for the non-Christian. And, and in the day of his favor for the Christian, so that encouragement, it's, it's not, it is that it's, it ought to be the intro of any difficult, you know, more uncomfortable speech, but it's also that it's the demeanor of that uncomfortable speech. So it's us saying to our own heart, the Lord has revealed the dangerous presence of sin in this area, and and you can be encouraged because he does that out of grace and kindness and love and fatherly affection, so that you can repent and grow and receive sanctifying grace. So there's there's an element of future grace that is present in our encouragement as well, even even when we are bringing, um, you know, a a convictional thought to our own heart or to the hearts of someone else. That I think ought to be present as well. Um, I'm, th- I'm thinking of Ephesians, kind of a classic sovereign grace passage where, where Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. So whatever I'm saying, whether it's pointing out past grace, evidences of grace, or even when I'm bringing a, a challenge for growth to my own heart or to someone else, it ought to have this effect of building them up building them into the gospel, building them into Christ and it ought to fit the occasion. And then I love this phrase because of the hope that it gives and the connection it makes to the gospel. Our speech ought to do this, that it may give grace to those who hear. So it's extraordinary mm. that in Ephesians, which is celebrated the grace of God as coming to those who are dead in their sins. Our words have ought to have this reflective, impact in in a similar way to to the gospel where God chooses to use our words to infuse his grace into people that are seeking to grow into the image of Christ. So I I think that ought to be the standard so that when I am speaking, it ought to be seeing the past grace of God, grateful for the present grace of God, confident in the future grace of Mm. God, and speaking with that disposition, it ought to give grace. It ought to be the means of giving grace to those who hear. I, I used to, at one point, I remember leading a, a small group discussion and talking about this as a, look, even when we're we're seeking conviction, we're seeking conviction as that kindness of God where he draws us to himself and away from the dangers of sin, which is a gracious way of bringing you know, the topic of conviction of how did God speak to you in that message? And if he did, that's something to be encouraged about because God has revealed his truth and exposed our hearts and brought us closer to himself. So every aspect of our speech ought to have this encouraging goal. and, and and I think we can trust the promises of the Lord that it will give grace to those who hear. Mm.
1: Yes. Yeah. and, We have in God's word, the truth that God intends for us to use to encourage one another. Such great and precious promises, uh, such reminders of the character of God. I don't know about you, but what I find to be most encouraging is not anything in my own life and leadership, but who Christ is and what he has done for me and what he promises to do in the in the future now certainly encouragement includes pointing out where that grace is at work in our lives but the uh the the starting point is here is what god says is true and using our word to communicate the truth in a way that that gives life (laughs) to others through through our words
0: Yes. Excellent. I mean,
1: I I don't, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I don't want to be a discouraging person to others. That's one of my life goals. Don't, I don't want to be going around constantly discouraging others. I want to be an encouraging person. And I, you know, I've heard it said, uh, that we should give so many affirmations as a pattern, as a way of life, that we gain a reputation for it. Like that's, I think part of the, uh, what a, what a Barnabas culture should be, right? It's, it's sons and daughters of encouragement uh, because it's so consistent as a, as a way of life, as a pattern of life that we become known for it. And that's, that's the kind of culture that people want to be a part of. That's the kind of culture where people experience the refreshment uh, of, the, of the grace of God. Someone described encouragement as adrenaline for the soul. You know, yes. it's, just, it's this is the key to if you want to be a refreshing presence to others, if you mm-hmm. want to enjoy refreshing relationships, give attention to the the power and priority of encouragement in your life.
0: Yes, yeah, I'm thinking about. I mean, you're saying it, but Proverbs 10:11 says, "The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life." And I mean, what a, what an image for any Christian, but, but for the pastor that, I mean, we, we, we are sharing the words of life, the words of Christ, yes. the words, of all that he has done, all that God has done in Christ, all that the New Testament calls believers to be and to do flows out of what he has done in Christ, which is what you're saying. So, so the, I mean, it's been said by people smarter than us you know, the ethic of the New Testament is is reflecting and flowing out of the finished work of Christ. It, it, we're to love one another as he has loved us. We're to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. We're to show mercy to one another because God has been merciful to us. It, there's, a, there's an outflow. So the real source of that fountain of life is what God has done in Christ, but in union with him, there ought to be that same kind of speech. So one way I I I think we could exhort ourselves is to say, is my speech so laced with the good news of Christ that it is impossible to encounter me without experiencing some element of that good news in every conversation. Um, I'm not just a, a mantra you know, repetition, speaking kind of the same words over and over. I, I'm actually living in the good of the gospel and I'm letting those diverse and rich truths flow out of me to this individual. So if I'm, if I'm speaking to someone who is weary, I am exhibiting the speech of Christ who lifts up with a word. That that weary, burdened soul. If I'm speaking to someone like the the woman at the well, who is even currently in the midst of a, a, a season of sin, my words, though they include the pointing out of her need, are 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 doing that in a way that it's inviting her to see the good news that is right in front of her, mm-hmm. the fountain that is available if she will if she will only drink the real everlasting life. Um, I think I think that's the standard that we want for our. Our words, um, yes. Okay, so one one final question for you: when when you think about, let's just talk briefly about um, the pastoral team, because I think this is a category. Sometimes we can, I think, even sovereign grace pastors can can encourage members of the church. Um, mm. We can have a category, perhaps, of of encouraging new um, members or, or even unbelievers as, as they begin to come into the life of the church. What about the pastoral team? Where where should encouragement function? Uh, where have you seen it function in your own life from one pastor to another?
1: Yeah, pastoral teams work very closely with each other. And part of any close relationship is that you become aware of others' strengths and you become aware of others' weaknesses. And so those who work with me know my weaknesses well. What encouragement means is that Members on a pastoral team will view each other not primarily through the lens of their sin and deficiencies and weaknesses and things they're not good at, but view them through their, their unique contributions, their strengths, and the, the grace that is at work in their lives. So it's a fundamental way of, of uh, looking at a fellow pastor that sees where God is at work, and that genuinely thanks God um, for them. I also think uh, another, well, so I have actually a standing policy. I tell the guys on my team, when you receive an encouragement from the church, when an encouraging email is sent from a church member or from anyone, you must forward that to me so that I can be encouraged by it. And then I will often share those with the team. So I'm looking to regularly fill the pastor's uh, inboxes with with encouragements regarding how God is using the men on the team uh, to, uh, to 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 bear fruit in the lives of others, uh, I also think one other thought that comes to mind on this is the way that encouragement relates to to honor and to a, a culture of honor. Honoring one another is is when encouragement goes public, so you can encourage yeah. someone privately and i commend doing that you can encourage others behind their backs and i also recommend doing that like if the only time you're ever speaking positively of someone is when you're speaking directly to them that's that may be a uh, uh, something to check i want to be someone who is when i'm speaking to other pastors saying hey this other pastor does this you know really well and is and is encouraging in that way but honoring right. is when encouragement goes public and this is something that you see Paul modeling throughout the New Testament where he is calling attention to particular leaders. He is honoring and commending them, and he's calling church members to honor them. Romans 12.10 is where it gives that command to outdo one another in showing honor. And so it is also a standing practice that I have uh, to seek to consistently and regularly honor uh, the, the the pastor. So when we have a retreat, I will just always, and this part of this is a function of having a larger team, but I'll always consider, okay, who are a couple of the guys that I can honor and call attention to the grace at work in their lives? And I'll also seek to do that on occasion on, on Sunday mornings um, as we seek to honor our pastors. Obviously, uh, honoring leaders can be overdone and it's possible to put leaders on too high of a of a platform and pedestal. But my concern presently is that the pendulum may swing too far in the other direction where we fail to uh, honor uh, those that that scripture uh, calls to honor and to encourage those who are uh, who are to be encouraged.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, we, we spoke in the last episode about you know just some of the dangers of um, cynicism and and how that can be present a kind of a self protective quality i think I think I would agree I, my greater concern is that leaders um, out of a concern for a, a cultural antagonism towards leadership in general, and also out of a, a concern to model humility, which is good, can go too far. And neglect the responsibility to honor those to whom honor is due. Now, that that ought, I think, a protective um, standard here is if pastors are consistently publicly expressing affection, gratefulness, and honor for their church members, that that is the overwhelming emphasis of their speech as it relates to other human beings is is that they are yes. expressing gratefulness i mean it ought to be the case for a pastor to ask the question have i regularly said words like john who addresses his people as the beloved would that be a normal whatever the modern expression of that would be, just to say i just want you to know i love you or would uh, that yes. seem uncomfortable um, you know, if on a pastoral team. Like I'm not sure I've ever said that to the church. It ought to be the case that the church has heard us say, I love you. I am grateful for you. Have you seen this person serve? I thank God for this way you are honoring him. So that then when it comes time to honor a fellow pastor, it's flowing out of that atmosphere of general celebration of God's grace uh, among all of the church members. I, I do think we need to keep this in front of us as sovereign grace churches that we'd be willing to obey God's word and outdo one another in showing honor, um, because broadly we want to be an encouraging family of churches, seeing the grace of God, celebrating the grace of God, bringing grace and life with our words. So let's continue to pers- be shaped by yeah. that virtue, which is shaped by um, the the encouragement, encouraging God who, who's loved us and saved us. So, excellent. Well, thank you, bro, for Amen. your wisdom as always. And if you're a pastor listening to this, just know Jared and I, we we love you and we are grateful for you. And it's an honor to partner along with you. And we'll see you next time.